Good morning. I think I will be loud enough. Just let me get this gadget in my ear and boot up my laptop. I'm a right-handed ear. Or a left-handed ear, I mean. I'll just put this in here. Take these off, put these on at that stage. Just saw Dr. Cook the other day. He's helping me. Okay, where are we here? Okay, good. So I want to greet everybody today in... uh, here at TCF, our church family. Um, as we were praying, Bill said that, uh, you know, praying that uh, Denise and I would become more connected with the body. And I agree with that uh, comment, and we want to be more connected, and we apologize sometimes if we're just not around, but we do believe in our heart. We feel in our heart. You are in our heart. This is our home fellowship. We love everybody here, and we're so thankful to be a part of TCF, your prayers, your love. Tremendous body of believers, uh, firm in Christ, uh, solid in doctrine, solid in love for one another. I can't really say anything bad about this church. So um, some weeks ago when I was here, when we shared the last time, Bill had mentioned Ray come back and speak. And so here I am, here we are. And um, a couple weeks ago, I was laying in bed, and I'm, Lord, what am I going to share? And the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, speak about my faithfulness, Jehovah's faithfulness, the Lord God's faithfulness. This is a broad topic, and um, there's, it's a gold mine of preaching on the faithfulness of our God, the faithfulness of Jehovah. But I had some thoughts, what I wanted to share today on that. I wanted to first of all say our, our creator is faithful, and I'm sure many of us reflect on the Lord's faithfulness daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And I believe that's true, that many of us are, do that. In the last 14 months, Denise has been teaching our children Bible foundations beginning with the creation story. She's been teaching about God's faithfulness through the Old Testament characters like Moses, Abraham, Joseph. And uh, two years ago, before we came, uh, before we left for the field, we met one of the Lalish leaders. The Lalish leader is like the Yazidi leader of the whole village. And um, Denise boldly proclaimed that we were going to teach the Word of God, the Bible, in our, in our uh, school for special needs children. And the lawless leader said, well, we've got Moses and Abraham and Joseph in the history of our people, so yeah, why not come? You know, so there was the invitation to come and live among the people, and that was one of many confirmations that the Lord gave us 
before we moved to Kurdistan, before we moved to the little village of Sharia. My prayer is that the testimony of the lives of the Old Testament characters and our lives will be an encouragement for all of us. Reflecting on our past experiences with the Lord will be very helpful in these last days. Amen? Reflecting on the Lord's faithfulness in these last days is a a tremendous encouragement. Today I want to share three acts of Yahweh's faithfulness from the lives of of these Old Testament men, three of them, the three I mentioned, three acts of faithfulness from the lives of three Old Testament men. The first act of Jehovah's faithfulness many times can be experienced in a short time. Moses and the parting of the Red Sea is a spectacular demonstration of Jehovah's power and faithfulness at a crucial time. Exodus 14, 10 through 14, if you want to go to your uh, digital device or your Bible, your paper copy, whatever you have, I want to read Exodus 14, 10 through 14. I'm a little bit dry. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, The Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Moses, It is because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt? saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And isn't that true when we trust the faithfulness of Jehovah? Thank you, brother. That means a lot right there. I just dried up like an old cotton ball. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. In other words, get going, you know, don't sit around, you know, just talking to me. Tell the people to get moving. Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. God's faithfulness 
was seen immediately. You know, I just as I work through this, these three Bible characters, I want you to just reflect on when the Lord was faithful to you at just the right time. Just at the moment when you thought you were at a place where you could not see the next path, the next way, the next way forward, the Lord came through and there he was. I could sit here and cite many times in my life when the Lord had been faithful to me immediately, but I've got to keep pressing through here. Denise and I had a, <laughs> had a very uh, good conversation about that. At a very crucial moment, Moses and the children of Israel saw God's power, Jehovah's power. And if you, just, if you can imagine, there Israel is backed up against the Red Sea with uh, Pharaoh's chariots coming to wipe them out. And they're complaining, they're arguing, and all of a sudden Moses' staff, the Red Sea opens, they walk through, they get to the other side, Pharaoh starts coming, finished. I mean, that picture is tremendous. And that's what the Lord is doing, will do, and is going to do in our lives in many areas. The second demonstration of Jehovah's faithfulness is found in the life of Abraham. We may not fully receive his promises in our lifetime. Some of us may die in faith, believing God is faithful even if we don't see what he said he will do. I'd like to turn to Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, we live as an, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah uh, herself received the ability to conceive, 100 years old, <laughs> even beyond the proper time of life, since she, be, she considered him faithful who had, who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven, of heaven number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. God's promise to Abraham. All of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And isn't that what the Lord calls us? Strangers and exiles on the earth. I mean, we need to believe that. We need to, that like Gordon said, the new thing God is doing. Uh, when, as we enter into the last days, or we are the end of the last days, we need to be looking in a, a different place than this earth. 
I've lost my spot. I just read it over. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a, that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. In this passage, the Lord made it clear that Abraham died in faith without seeing the full fruition of his promise. Maybe some of you are praying for a family member. Jim Garrett reminds us to pray for our descendants on a, on a regular basis. We're praying for those who are yet to come into the kingdom. Some of us are, will probably die and not see our children come to faith. I received a prophetic word from my own children several years ago, ones that I don't see any way possible that they would ever come to know Jesus Christ. But I have faith and I believe, and I may die in faith, believing that one day they will repent and come to know Jesus. Keep praying, knowing God is faithful, whether we see it or not. The third demonstration of God's faithfulness can be seen in the life of Joseph. And similar to Joseph's life, we may need to wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. The story of Joseph is probably one of my favorite. I'm sure many of you are the same in watching the life of Joseph and what he went through. The life of Joseph is a prime example of Jehovah's faithfulness. From Genesis 37, we read the account of Joseph's life and family. How at the age of 17, the Lord gave Joseph a prophetic dream which spanned over a period of 20 years. Joseph was severely tested before that dream would be fulfilled. I want to read from uh, uh, a prophetic word from Psalms 105, 16 and 24, through 24. But I'm going to back up to Psalm uh, 105, 8 and 10 and then jump into 16. Because... He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. This is speaking to God's faithfulness. The covenant which he made to Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant. You know, the Lord has made an everlasting covenant with Israel He's made an everlasting covenant with us. And uh, we believe that uh, Joseph is a type of Christ. And um, in verse 8 of 105, it says, He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to... Re to Israel for an everlasting covenant. And he called 
And then here's 16. And he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of peoples, and sent, set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler over his possessions to imprison his princes at will that he might teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, thus Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and he caused his people to be very fruitful and made them stronger than their adversaries. One writer said it like this, Sometimes faithfulness to God and his word sets us on a course where circumstances get worse and not better. And I've discovered over my 40 years of walking with Jesus Christ that many times following God's plan, sometimes things get worse before they get better. And you know, these are the truths of God's word. This is the, the truth of, uh, uh, of uh, Joseph's life. And many of us know the story how he had the vision. He was thrown in a pit. He was deceived by his family and, you know, he was and then the baker and all that stuff. But he ended up being salvation for his people. A powerful story of uh, Joseph's life. I'm going to move into now, um, you know, we're, I've got the slide up here. Denise has got, um, I can't read the verse there. Can somebody read that verse for me? Whoever wants to read it. Can, they, can, they, can you read that? James, you got it. Okay. Check, one, two. Psalm 36, 5. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. I'd like to talk about uh, <clears throat> like to talk about my wife Denise for a minute. Denise, Denise waited almost her entire adult life before she realized her dream to marry a godly husband whom she could serve the Lord in mission. In her testing, the Lord was faithful. When I met Denise eight years ago, and she told me that she... She waited her whole adult life for the man that God was to bring to her. I knew at that moment I had the right girl. And um, it was an amazing time. And the fact that she would wait, and I know Denise was tested quite a bit through the years and different relationships and things, but she remained faithful to God she may remain pure before the Lord. I want to encourage the young ladies of this fellowship and those who might be hearing this message, remain faithful to Jesus Christ 
He will be faithful to you. If your desire is to marry a godly man, the Lord is faithful. He will bring you that man. And look at the man she brought her. <laughs> wow. She got blessed. <laughs> Amen. Some of you know, I'm going to just share a little bit of testimony here. Uh, you've heard the story of three uh, Old Testament uh, uh, characters. Now you're going to hear the testimony of a New Testament char- uh, character named Ray Thorne and Denise. I told you before in 2000, um, I'll put these on for now. I think I can do this. In 2000, I was in a nursing home in Bartlesville in a a little old lady, a little aged lady, I'm sorry. I'm learning new terms. She was in a dementia stupor, and she sat up, and she prophesied three times. And she said, the latter days will be greater than the former. And uh, I was just standing there, just amazed at this prophetic word. This was in somewhere around 2000. In 2004, the Lord dropped into my spirit something as I was working with the Voice of the Martyrs. I love the ministry of the Voice of the Martyrs. I love the work, the people. I loved everything about the ministry. But the Lord was depositing something in my spirit in those days. I had no idea what it was. So I prayed for three years almost daily, Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me? After three years, one day I was driving through Bartlesville and the Lord spoke one word. And that word was freedom. And just like Sarah, when she laughed and when Abraham laughed, I too laughed. And I said, Lord, freedom? (laughs) Freedom? What's that? And then my life began to unfold what that single word meant. He spoke to me next about my debt. At that time, I was, we were, I was married to Kathy. We were $80,000 in debt, and the Lord said, get out of debt. I called my father one day, my uh, biological father. I said, Dad, I need, to, I need you to loan me some money. He says, well, how much do you need, son? I said, oh, about $100,000. He goes, what? I can't give you that. He said, but call me tomorrow. So next morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning, I called my dad. His name was Roy. And he said, son, I want you to know something. He said, yesterday, when you called me, I was at my table writing my will. And the amount that you asked for is the exact amount that I was going to give you. He said, what difference does it make if I die? He says, if you want it now, he says, when can I send you the check? Yeah, it was like a hallelujah moment for sure. It was like shocked. But I want to just share with you in this testimony the faithfulness of God in my life. The money came. We paid off the home. We paid off our debt. And in those days, I was preparing to launch to full-time ministry with Kathy. Many of you knew Kathy. And approximately a month later, she started falling down. 
And then later the diagnosis of ALS came, Lou Gehrig's disease. And it was a five-year journey where I was a caretaker for Kathy. And then she died in my arms in 2011. And um, after she passed away, I sat in my home for about a year and a half all alone in that house. And you can imagine, I'm laying in bed going, God, Lord, what's going on? What's happening? And the word that the Lord spoke to me was, I'm faithful. I am faithful. And so I said, okay, Lord, I know you're faithful. I'll trust you. In 2013, I met and married Denise. Denise had a failed uh, um, uh, a failed engagement. As she was uh, going through a failed engagement, I was going through the death of Kathy, and we were able to meet, and um, we met on a uh, Christian website called Christian Cafe. Two months, we, we sent the, uh, letters every night, nightly. And Denise said in that, um, in that uh, when I talked to her, when did she fall in love with me? When, when, was it when, I, when, um, when you met me? She said, no, way before that. She said, I fell in love with you because of your character, she said. And uh, we met and married. In 2013, we were married. And for five years, we... As we served the voice of the martyrs and as we did independent missionary work, we asked the Lord, Lord, where will you send us? Where do you want us to be? And we went to many places on the earth together, and it was always, oh, we could live there, or we could live there. But we never really had any confirmation until 2017. You want to go ahead and start the slide? While she's get, getting ready to pull up this slide, I want to continue to uh, talk about the transition from living in Oklahoma to living in Kurdistan, northern Iraq. In 2017, we traveled to the city of Duhuk in northeast uh, Kurdistan, and we traveled into the Sinjar region where the Yazidi people had been attacked by ISIS in 2014. The entire population, hundreds and thousands of people were displaced. Thousands of women were uh, taken and brutalized. The men were killed and the people were displaced. And while we were there, we met a, a, young, a woman named Becky. And when we got there, Becky had been praying and said, um, I was praying that the Lord would bring some encouragement today. And Denise and I showed up and we met her. And it was a tremendous time to meet Becky and to see the destruction of ISIS and what these people had gone through. After the referendum, we went back to Kurdistan. And that time we met uh, a woman from Samaritan's Purse named Marigold. She was a lovely Baptist woman. And we said, Marigold, would you pray for us? She took us in the upper room and then she prophesied over us. And she said, I see a mountain. And I see a trickle of water coming down the mountain. 
And this trickle is, is uh, uh, transforming into a mighty river and then into a reservoir of, of, of freshness and, um, and like this. It was a trickle, a river, and then a reservoir. And she said, this is you and Denise Ray, that God will use you among the Yazidi people to bring a, uh, the ministry of, uh, for children with special needs. It, it'll start with a trickle, but it'll become with a mighty river. So when you talk about God's faithfulness from when I first received the prophetic word in 2000 and until now, we're still living in that the latter days will be greater than the former. And we really believe that. And um, from that point, we went and met Becky again and we told her the vision. And that's when we went to visit, visit the lawless leader who said they had the Old Testament saints in their history come. And then with that confirmation, Denise and I came back to Tulsa, packed up our bags, and we left. So that's how, uh, um, that's basically an overview of how the story and the transition in our life has become. This first slide I want to show you, this is a, a typical Yazidi person at one of the uh, Lalish temples or the, the Yazidian temples. The religion of the Yazidis is called Yazidian. And uh, back up a little bit, honey. I want to talk about the black snake. You know, talk about the foundations of God's word. You know, uh, Noah, when he uh, was in the boat and with the animals and the ark and stuff like that, uh, these people believe in Noah, but what, what they believe is during Noah's uh, time of floating, he hit a big rock, and he punched a big hole in the side of, his, of the ark, and this big black snake came out of nowhere and put his body inside the hole and plugged the hole. So basically the snake had become the salvation for Noah. So these are, I just wanted to share some of the the ideology or their doctrines that they teach their people that this snake is a part of a very integral part of their religion. Also, they believe in seven angels and they believe in Satan, that he's a good guy. And they call, call him Tawas Malik. Tawas Malik. And so they believe that he, like we were told, never say Satan's a bad guy or anything like that. And so we have to be very careful, especially with people we're just getting to know that we don't make mention of Satan and how bad he is and how dark and evil he is. So these are some of the things that the Yazidian people believe. Here's a typical Yazidian temple. They have this pointed uh, temple, and we see these all over the region that we live many times. Go ahead, honey. Uh, this is the first month of our time in uh, Sharia. Denise, that's back before the hair grew a little longer. Back up a little bit, honey. You're cruising through. These are some of the children that we met, uh, Enos and uh, uh, Kenan on the right at the top would be, yeah, that would be Kenan. And then... Uh, Haman is down on the left, and then uh, uh, 
Ninar in the middle, and then um, Avandar on the far right in that picture. These, all of these children were children as I was uh, engaging the community, meeting people. I would see a wheelchair and I'd say, hey, who's that little guy over there? Who's that little girl over there? And they would give me the name and I said, can I get their number? And then we would make contact and we would go visit them in their tents. And um, the Yazidis, uh, we have the, the village of Shadia, but all around us is about thirty or 40,000 tents. When the Yazidis left the Sinjar, they came to the region that we live in, and we are living in a predominantly Yazidi community. So we've uh, the first eight months, Denise and I spent hours and hours walking to the village, going tent to tent, house to house, meeting these little ones and just you know, just talking to the parents, asking if they would be willing to let their children come to our center. Next. Many of you prayed. We went eight months uh, doing taxi, and I don't know if you've done eight months of taxi uh, in a, uh, a new community where you don't know very much, and we spent hours and hours standing on the roads waiting for a taxi, and uh, arguing dinars and getting it down and stuff like that. Finally, one day, Denise says, Honey, I'm done doing this. It's time to get a vehicle. I said, Praise the Lord. And that's the vehicle you guys helped us prayed for. Um, we had a, not only with some gifts, but we had a, an unusual tax, uh, uh, tax return, which was just about able to buy that little truck. That's a little Chinese truck called the Wengel. It's got a 2.4 four-cylinder. Runs pretty good. I put a little rack on there because um, Denise has me making things for the, uh, uh, we call it the Lighthouse Learning Center, and I put lumber up on there, and then I'm making stuff for that. Go ahead. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, this family. Uh, this is Saeed. Some of you who get our um, newsletter, this man was our taxi driver. Actually, he wasn't a taxi driver. He owned a car, but yet he used it to uh, run people around, and he became really a good friend and a brother. And uh, on the far left there, one, one time we asked him if he, you know, if he would like to come for supper and bring his family. And we asked him, well, what would you like to eat? And he goes, hamburgers, because they never had a hamburger before. So in that bottom left, you can see me. I got the fry pan, and I got hamburgers cooking there. And then on that photo next to where I was cooking, uh, him and his wife, Saeed, and what's her name? Rehan. His wife, Rehan, they never, ever celebrated a birthday in their whole life. And we asked them, when were you born? They didn't even know when they were born. And this is pretty typical with the Yazidi people. They, they don't have, but well, it was in the springtime of, you know, such and such, maybe this year or that year. So they really don't know. So on January 1st, uh, we invited them to come and celebrate their, both of their birthdays. So Denise made a cake and... You know, this is how we share the gospel. You know, you have birthdays, you eat hamburgers, and you get to know one another, and this is what we did with this, with this guy. Um, 
before I talk about this young lady, um, I wanted to say that's on, like, I think it was just just when COVID hit our village. Was it March, January, January, February? Somewhere in that time, we got a call, uh, 11 o'clock at night, and I heard that a man named Saeed had died. And I was like, that can't be my friend Saeed. And then I made some phone calls that evening and found out he had a brain aneurysm and he died that night. And this guy, you know, for not being a Christian, he was more of a Christian in the way he treated and loved people than most Christians I know. Very lovely brother. I love this man. I shared the gospel numerous times with him. I've got a recording on my phone where I asked him to, to recite John 3.16 in Kormanji. And I have that and I listen to that every now and again. We, uh, the next day, they had the funeral and we'd stayed up till 2-3 in the morning with the family. Everybody was wailing. And we got up a couple hours later. We went to the funeral with them. and We never in the whole life had attended a funeral like this. One of the daughters was crying so loudly, she was pulling and she's just pulling chunks of her hair out of her head and the people were wailing and we went to the side of the hill and we buried this man. And you know, um, that scripture where it says we don't uh, grieve as those without hope, these people had no hope. And it just put in me just a desire to see this people group know Jesus, to bury a dear friend like that, and not pr- pretty sure he didn't re- didn't accept Jesus Christ, and so it was a sad day for us. Go ahead, Nadifa on uh, on the left there. She's become a good friend. Uh, Saeed told me um, invited us to supper one night. And the Lord spoke to me, gave me a a, a word of knowledge. And I told Denise, I said, Honey, when we go to that village, there's going to be a a small child there that's going to be your first, one of your first children. We got to the village and we found a little girl named Dahila. And this is the mother, Nadifa. And sure enough, that, that word of knowledge came true. And since then, Denise has become very good friends with Nadifa. And on the right is our uh, is our um, little one-room school room that we have in our home. And we have class three and four times a week. And here we have uh, a doctor named Bruna from, um, from Brazil and another woman there, a nurse. And here they are with Nadifa. You can see the doctor with her arm around her, and she's praying for Dahila. And many of you got, maybe got a newsletter to said to pray for her because... We thought maybe she would die. And by God's grace, she's still alive and she's still thriving. And uh, this week, uh, Nadifa gave birth to her sixth or seventh, sixth child. And so Nadifa called Denise and she was happy and stuff like that. And then then we discovered that uh, she named her baby Denise. So that was like, you know, just about tear your heart out, you know. So that was an amazing time. So, you know, these people are calling us every week. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? So 
November 5th, we're heading back to Kurdistan. So just a little. Uh, so this is the kind of ministry we've got going on. Families, children, and, you know, the, these children are such a gateway into the community. And one of our dreams is to see uh, these people not despise the children with special needs, but to celebrate their lives and to realize, and Denise says all the times, these are gifts from God. What else do you say, honey? They're stamped with God's in image, with Je Jehovah's image. And we tell these people all the time this statement, and so while we believe it's true, next Almost finished now. Uh, this was our very first um, uh, sessions with the family before we started our school, the Lighthouse Learning Center. It's not the Little Lighthouse Learning Center. It's the Lighthouse Learning Center. And back up, honey. In any way, you can see in the background uh, the Yazidi guy sitting on the floor. We call him Haji. And uh, we've had several times sharing the gospel with him through our other Yazidi friend. And so not only are we reaching the children and young people, but we're reaching the elderly people of the village. One thing I want to say about our work in Kurdistan, uh, we went to another village 50 miles away before we came home to Tulsa. And while we were sitting with the Yazidi family, they said, well, who are you? And Ray, or I, I use the name Ron. We're Ron and Denise. And one person said, Denise, we know about you here 50 miles away uh, on the Turkish border. Because the Yazidi community is such a small community, and they're so connected. I mean, you you know, it's, you know, when you live in a small community, everybody knows what's going on. This is the way it is there. So, if you know, if you're sinning, they're going to know it. But if you're doing good works, they're going to know it too. And uh, here, uh, the 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 the. I hate to say the famousness of De Denise, but her name has really gone before her in. It's, I'm just so proud of you, honey, and the work that God has given us to do, it's amazing. Go ahead. And then here's some of our smaller children, and uh, <clears throat> Dehila is the one on the, on the far left at the bottom, and uh, I think that was, was that taken after she became sick? That was before. And then some of the other little children, uh, I, I know the names, but they're, yeah, but they're, and then here's our older children. Um, the, the one on the bottom left here has become one of Denise's special. Her name is Ninar. She's 10. And I remember one day when she was, uh, uh, Denise was playing with her on the front uh, lawn of our, of our uh, home that she was wiggling her belly and this little girl just laughed out loud for the first time in her life. And I captured it on video and I was able to send that to her father who had never heard her laugh like that. It was, it was a beautiful time. And, and the, the girl in the larger picture, Evelyn, uh, Denise is teaching her how to cook. 
and how to how she can be useful in the even though her right arm there is not working very well she's able to knead dough and and do things so these are some of the works that Denise is doing with the children go ahead babe and then these are our, uh, three of our workers Linda at the top in the blue and Kamal on the bottom and then uh, Monica she's from the Czech Republic and she came and worked with us for uh, a couple weeks she's a wonderful uh, Catholic lady who has got a tremendous love for these kind of children. So uh, we're, go ahead. And then the, I think this is the final slide. This is our English, monthly English game night where we bring Yazidi people together once a month and we play games, we cook popcorn, we serve them Coca-Cola or water, whatever they want, and we have fun with them and we, we bring a theme usually, and it's a theme from the Bible, but we don't say this is the Bible. We just use biblical principles, and it's kind of like a pre-evangelism, a pre-discipleship type of concept, and we have a lot of fun with these people. And everybody in, these, in this uh, picture, and then all of those you've seen, we've shared the gospel in multiple ways and multiple times over the last year. Recapping, Jehovah is faithful. Many times we have the privilege of seeing his faithfulness immediately like Moses. Other times we may die in faith believing that God, uh, God will do as he said even if we don't see that thing accomplished in our lifetime like Abraham. And sometimes we have to wait like Joseph. And with that, the prayer points that I'd like to share with that is uh, right now we have a one-room classroom that we have eight to ten children. We could have many, many, many more children, but we don't have workers. And our desire is to have a Christian uh, developmental center for children with special needs. So that Christ focus, the Bible focus, is the key. There won't be a center if Jesus Christ and his word is not the center. And this is what we told the lawless leader. And he said, okay. So we, I wish I would have recorded that day when he said that. Because I'm sure we're going to be tested and challenged with that. The next phase of our developmental center is to, is to uh, uh, rent a dedicated home with maybe four or five rooms. And then if, as the Lord brings workers, therapists, teachers, uh, admin, nurses, then We'll fill that room, and, and that'll become more of a... And we call this a community outreach project. So uh, Denise is doing the teaching. I'm in the community talking to the men. I'm encouraging them, hey, these are your kids. This is your work. We want you to be involved. We want you to be proud of these children. The third and last phase would be a state-of-the-art special needs center. Uh, for children, um, I see a campus, maybe a pool, a gym, you know, all this stuff, and, you know, wheelchair accessibility. But listen, God is faithful. You know, when I think about the life that God has given Denise and I and the dream that we carry, what more can I say? You know, Denise has been actively trying to recruit Wherever she goes, I need workers, I need workers. But the Lord spoke to me a couple weeks ago, and Denise knows this. I said, honey, 
I think it's okay if you advocate like that. But I said, you know what? The Lord hasn't sent us to Kurdistan where he will not provide the workers that he wants for these children because he loves these children and he wants them to be served and he wants them to know him. And so God is faithful and I believe he will do that. So that's basically... um, where we're at, like I say, November 5th, we're leaving. And uh, next week, Denise is, uh, we've got a wedding on the weekend. Her youngest sister is to be remarried. The day after she's married, she flies to Brazil for five days. She comes home. We head to Kansas to bring my truck back, our truck back to Grandma. And then we fly back to Kurdistan. So we've got some pretty busy days for the next couple weeks ahead of us. So. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Amen. Yeah. Before we dismiss, I'd like for us to pray for Ray and Denise. If those of you who are, well, can can we do that? Gather around. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if you feel comfortable, or if he feels comfortable, gather around and lay hands on him, and we will pray for you and Denise. Father, we thank you so much for all that you are doing, not only in Ray and Denise, but through them, amongst the Yazidis. We lift up the needs that they have expressed, and we know that you are already at work to fulfill them. We pray for more involvement from the Azidi people, especially the men, uh, that they would, um, that their hearts would be drawn into this ministry uh, to work with Ray and Denise. And we pray for more workers and for more space, uh, that more ministering may be done according to your will and in your time. And uh, we pray um, for your continual uh, blessing in all of their travels and their connections Uh, that they would be able to be where they need to be at the right time with the right resources uh, to accomplish all that you have for them to do. We thank you so much for them, and we thank you that we got to hear from them today. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.